South Carolina State gets their first victory of the year. FAMU versus Albany State was exactly what both teams needed. And Alabama State's bye week is perfectly timed. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. The Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey's over. No, I think you guys should know this by now. It means it's time to follow me on Twitter, at South Exclusives, and you can see that lower third right there below. Now, with that being said, let's hop right into the action. Let's get right into discussing what we need to talk about, and that's South Carolina State. It's only week two, so getting your first victory of the year isn't like, whew, finally. However, South Carolina State did get their first victory of the year over Bethune-Cookman, and I don't want to start with the victors, so I guess we're going to end with the good news. I want to talk about Bethune-Cookman for a second because I've never had the opportunity to truly sit down and dedicate myself to a Bethune-Cookman game. Yeah, they played the first two weeks, and I was able to catch pieces of the game each time. I I actually would have dedicated myself to it this time because I thought they had an interesting game. It was better than the North Carolina A&T versus North Dakota State game. So they were right there at that prime time, you know. It was 3 o'clock. It was the only game on. And then what they have to do, Mother Nature had a ridiculous weather uh, delay placed upon them. And when they start, I think, I swear, that that rain delay, it started at 3. It, it might not have ended till 4.35, it felt like. And around that time, it was like, okay, I want to watch and I could watch. But also, the uh, the Southern Heritage Classic was about to come on soon so I wasn't able to really watch the full game and the problem with this is that Jalen Jones always shows me something I always feel like I see something out of Jalen Jones that when I look back at the stats I don't see I can't even really criticize the guy because I'm not watching him and when I do watch him he shows me a little something and I don't know maybe it's the it's the way he uses his legs I don't know maybe because he had 99 yards in the game but he went eight for 23 in the air He had 127 yards. So when he's connecting, big time plays, right? You break that down, 800, I mean, excuse me, 127 yards on on eight receptions. You're looking at nearly what, 15, 16? Looking at nearly 16 yards a pop. But here's the thing is you're not connecting all the time. You're eight of uh, 23. So now you got 5.5 yards per attempt. And that's just not acceptable. And it always confuses me. So I'm looking for you in the comments if you've, I hope my Bethune-Cookman fans here, man, shout out your school. Shout out your school. I think I'm going to tag that. I want you guys to shout out your school and tell me who you're here supporting. I'll try to tag that in the comment section over the rest of this week, hopefully, if I can remember. But, yeah, where my Bethune-Cookman people at? Tell me what's going on with Jalen Jones, right? Because I see him. I think he looks good. And I look at the stat line, 
And it's not like I thought he was great, but his stats just don't look that good from a passing standpoint. And personally, I actually thought that the offense moved at its best when, um, uh, what's his name was in there? Washington, right? I can't remember his name right now. I thought it moved the best when Walter Simmons, yes, Walter Simmons the third, third of his name, moved in, right? Because at that time, they were running efficiently. He didn't miss a pass. He only threw three of them. I don't know, maybe he got hurt or what happened, but he came in and he spelled um, Jalen Jones for a little bit, and he only got one drive. And on that drive, they actually drove down, and they had a field goal attempt that it just didn't end up going through, but they did get a field goal attempt. And that was probably the last Bethune-Cookman drive that I was able to watch before the Southern Heritage Classic was on. I was really trying to dial in, and then the PV game was on, and I thought they looked really good. Um, and I think we'll try to talk about them later on in the week as well. However, I wasn't able to really dial in anymore. So I just wasn't able to see what was going on with Jalen Jones. But he came back in the game after that one drive. And they were able to lead a, a touchdown drive and then also a, a field goal drive. But just tell me what's going on there, right? And somebody has to get Kamari Avery the ball. He has two catches for one yard over the last two games combined. One catch this game for four. One catch last game for negative three. This is your star tight end. This cannot be happening. This is absolutely unacceptable. But I also have to give some credit to South Carolina State. And let's let's switch over to the defending champions who, admittedly so, I don't think we've even talked about so much on this show. They deserve a lot of respect, you know? They came and they played Central Florida last year. I mean, last week. Yeah, so they played Central Florida. It was a bad game. But I'm not taking too much from it. What do they do when they go against an FCS opponent? They come and they run away with it. It was a close game for a while. And then later on in the game, they really began to run away with it. They won this game like it was the 1980s, 1970s. Running defense. That's it. That's how you won. Running defense. Kendra Flowers, B.J. Davis. Running and defense. Right? So when you look at what they were able to do on the ground, Kendra Flowers had 157 yards on 16 attempts. So you're looking at nearly 10 yards of pop form. Two touchdowns, had a long 67-yard touchdown run. He was really playing well, and he was effective, and that's how they were able to get it. They had He had one on the goal line where you know it's not, it's not easy money. It's never easy money when you're on the goal line. You love showing that ability to operate within the five-yard line because a lot of offenses, not a lot, but some offenses, they struggle when you get them down within the five because now their offense is compressed. There's not as much room. They can they, All the safeties can sit because it's only 10 yards that you can really throw to. Right. You got 10 yards of an end zone and five yards of your of, of actual game play. And they're trying to force you to, to throw within those five yards while sitting on the 10, the back 10. So overall, they st they showed the ability to get in and they were able to execute on the goal line. Now, um, other than that, he did have the big 67 yard run, but he wasn't the only one when we're talking about run, running the ball. Then you look at Ja'Cory Benson, who also had five yards to carry, a big five, right? Nothing greater than a five. We know this. Um, but they were getting what they wanted on the ground offensively on Saturday. Now, you get to the other half of that. It's defense, suffocating defense. We just talked about some of the struggles of Bethune-Cookman. And I know I placed them on Bethune-Cookman and placed the ownership on them. But let's remember that great defense is going to cause offensive struggles. And that's just the way that it is, right? So let's give a little bit of credit to them. Kamari Avery was not able to get open because South Carolina State probably keyed in and knew I'm not going to let this guy beat me. Still, you want to see them try to force something, get 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 the guy some kind of looks. I don't know, but you got to do something because unacceptable, right? But let's keep going. 
because I thought they played really well. And when it was time to run away with it, they ran away with it at the very end, right when Bethune-Cookman got maybe a little bit of a breath, like, whew, okay, I can do this, right after they scored the touchdown to get to nine points. Well, then in comes South Carolina State with their best pass of the day, by far, not even close. Shaq Davis catches his only reception of the day, and he takes it 87 yards. So, and it was a real, it was mostly run. It was a catch, broke a tackle, and he ran for the majority of that, and he showed why he had big playability. And then defensively, they really hammered it home with B.J. Davis, Big Five alumni again. Um, let's just remember that rule five on his chest, uh, linebacker, so show love to him. Um, if y'all get annoyed with me saying Big Five alumni, All right. Um, sorry, but big five alumni. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to start that this year or anytime a player who, who wear five and he uh, he makes a play. I might just go and give him a shout out. It's my favorite number. Anywho, B.J. Davis had a pick six, which was his second interception of the day. And those series were back to back where you had Shaq Davis's big time catch and run. Then you had B.J. Davis's pick six and that just put it all the way out of reach. And that was really in the last four minutes where Shaq's. Touchdown catch was probably like a dagger, but then like if the dagger was in their chest, B.J. Davis's pick six pushed it all the way through. So that's kind of what really was. Also, shout out to B.J. Davis because both of his interceptions are actually the only interceptions that turned into points. South Carolina State was able to force four turnovers on the day. One led to Kendrell Flowers' one-yard touchdown, and the other was a pick six. Um, other than that, the other two actually did not turn into points. So, oh no, I'm lying. Oh, no, no, yeah, I think those are the only two that, that turn into points. Um, but, yeah, so overall, it was offense and defense, but really just the running game and a really stout defense. The offense was able to come alive late in the game, and hopefully that connection with Shaq Davis is something that persists for the rest of the season, something they really get on timing with. It's only week two, guys, so people are still going to be trying to work to get towards that. Now, I say it's only week two, but that does not stop me from feeling like Albany State versus Florida A&M was a really big time game for both schools. And I'm going to tell you why and why I think that both teams achieved what their objective was on that Saturday. But before we get into that, let me tell you about upside. I don't know a soul who enjoys to go to the pump. I don't know a single person who's like, oh, yeah, I love getting gas. Gas is, is significantly too high. Most people try to avoid driving because gas is that high. Well, here's a little way to take it down and a way to make sure that Things aren't hurting your pockets as much. That's the Upside app. I've taken advantage of this anytime I get to the pump because why not save money on something I'm going to have to do? To get started, you want to download the Upside app, use the promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Once you claim the offer at wherever you're going on Upside, use the check-in at the business, pay as usual with your card. It has to be in a card form, otherwise you're not going to get anything for this. And then also, just pay. And then, up, and then you'll be able to get the $5 back that I got on my gas fill up, right? So download the free Upside app and use the promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more on your first purchase of $10 plus. Use the promo code LOCKED. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is invective, meaning insulting or abusive language. And I want to talk about this Florida A&M 
versus Albany State game. I think that this is a game that should have been circled before the season even started, truly, by a fan, just an objective fan of HBCU football, right? Because you're going against, you have one of the best teams in FCS black college football versus one of the best teams in D2 black college football, right? Mind you, this is a top 25 team in Albany State. This is a team that made the playoffs in FAMU last year. So you should have had this circled. And I think that when you look at both teams, they also circled this game. But in a little different uh, of a way, because Albany State is the third game in a really tough three-game run for Florida A&M to start off the season. And Coach Willie Simmons spoke about it. He said, we didn't plan on having a D1 school versus, or excuse me, a D1 school and then a Celebration Bowl member and then also a SEAC champion. So you had the SWAC champion, SEAC champion, and then a Power 5 school all within your first three weeks. And this isn't something that they projected to happen. And it was going to be just another game. Now, a lot of times when anybody tells you, oh, it's just another game, it's not just another game. They probably wouldn't have said that coming into this game if we're just talking about how we expected the season to go. However, after losing to, to Jackson State in the way that they did, oh, now this isn't, it's not a must-win game because you still expect to win it, but you have something that you need to prove. And unlike at the beginning of the year where you just felt like, okay, this is going to be a tough game, no, now this is a bounce-back game. I need to be able to show that, that that shellacking from last week is not who we are. And for me, there felt a little bit more of a pressure on the offense. I know the defense got 50 put on their head, but for some reason, maybe it's because Isaiah Land is on that side of the ball, and you feel like, oh, they'll get some pressure. They got some good defensive tackles. Maybe I just felt like they would get something out of it while Jeremy Musa was still a relative question mark, and I felt like he needed to prove that, hey, this is who I am. I don't know. But something about it gave me a little bit more confidence in the defense. So in this game, I'm looking for the offense to really prove it more than anything else. Now you look at Albany State. Oh, they circled this game from the jump. They're one of the best teams in D2 football. Period. They're one of the best teams in D2 football. They're one of the best black colleges in D2 football for sure. Probably number two. If you're talking about last year, they are number two. Right? But unfortunately, they are on the D2 level. There's a certain level of respect that you're going to get on that level. But when you're talking about all black college football, if you're talking about all football in general, but let's just say black college football because it's only FCS and down, right? There's a certain amount of respect that you're going to get, but there's also a certain amount of hesitation that anybody's going to have to crown you. So now you need to come up and you need to beat one of these teams or at least show who you are. It's another level of respect when you show that you can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with FAMU. So that's what they're trying to prove. They're trying to prove that, hey, yeah, we're good, but we're good. You understand? So that's what they're trying to achieve. And let's start off with Albany State because, to me, they achieved everything that they were reaching for. If you're looking at what their ultimate goal was, and that's to show they can compete, they did that. The first two drives, stalled out, fam. You had an interception in that drive. You know, they actually got on the board first, right? So that defense showed they could handle it for a little bit. Things started going for FAMU for sure. And we're going to talk about that when we get to the Rattlers. However, when you're looking at the Rams, well, I'm saying that, in the second half, you forced two field goals. So you bend, but you didn't break. And these are things that I can take away. It's, it's, it's about learning experiences when you're shooting up, right? And especially when you're out of conference. But when you're shooting up, it's about that. You know, like, if Jackson State is the best team in the SWAC, you take whoever the worst team in the SWAC, it ain't a learning experience when you're going against Jackson State. This game actually means something. This game actually could go against you, right? It, it actually counts for something that is going to be uh, impactful at the end of the year. However, 
Albany State losing to fam, you don't mean nothing. They actually got the running game going. I thought they looked decent on the ground. They had Cam Ward, who was able to find some success. And late in the game, they actually got a touchdown run. They, or, uh, yeah, a touchdown run. The drive before that, they were able to get close. They got to, like, the 11-yard line, but they were trying to get a touchdown because they needed to come back. So they could have kicked the field goal, could have had more points on the board, but they didn't because of that reason. I thought Albany State did what they needed to do. I thought they did exactly what they needed to do offensively and defensively, show that they could get some momentum on both sides of the ball. But then FAMU, they needed to bounce back, and it was a struggle at first. It was kind of a, all right, it's a continuation. Jeremy Musa just threw another interception, but after that, he was safe with the ball. He didn't throw any any picks. You're looking at the, uh, they got a little bit of the running game going as well, and they scored on basically every single drive after that. I credit the last two drives that they got stopped to the fact that they were just trying to run out the clock. But overall, they played good offense. So give me that. I will take that nine days or <laughs> I'll take that anytime seven days out of the week. There's not nine days in the week. At best, I can press for eight, but there is not nine days left in the week or in the week period. I don't know where I got that one from. Um, but yeah, overall, I just thought that they did a really good job bouncing back. I thought they did a really good job showing that we had a bad week two or week one. Sorry. Um, and then also we had a rough start to the game. But we were able to bounce back. So I'm taking off that rough start, start for them because now you show the, the resilience that I was looking for coming into the game. You just showed it within the game. So I'm okay with that. And that's exactly what I needed. Albany State showed, oh, yeah, we really are good. We can still play. We might have lost, but we can still play with these teams. And then FAMU showed that, yeah, we can bounce back. We can show resilience after last week's game. So I appreciated that. And going forward, we're going to be talking about an early bye week that I typically despise. But for Alabama State, I think it is absolutely perfect. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. Now, let's talk about Alabama State because I think they have a perfectly timed uh, bye week. Sorry, y'all. I'm trying to fix this hat on the fly um, because it's not looking as great as it started off with. But I think that Alabama State has a perfectly timed bye week. And this comes from somebody who actually despises early bye weeks. I think that they're terrible. Why am I getting such an early rest? A, I'm just now getting into my routine. And then B, I kind of want to rest my body later towards the season when the games start getting a little bit more impactful, when I might be close to my conference championship. But it is what it is. It's an early bye week. And for Alabama State, absolutely perfect. For Alabama State, this is exactly when you want to have your bye week. And that's because it gives D. Davis another week to heal, right? So let's get into it. Alabama State is 2-1. Alabama State is 2-1. And, and in a situation that's as good, if not better, than you could have asked for. Let's go through their, their uh, schedule. Howard, toss-up game. Could go either way. You came out with a victory. A, you know, swack me act challenge. You came out one for your conference and then also for you in the first week of the Eddie Robinson era. And then you look at Miles. You expect to beat them because they've never beat you. They have never beat you, and you played a bunch. They've never beat you. But your quarterback goes out on the second drive, and they played you pretty close last year. So you're looking like, mm, but you come out with that victory, good win. UCLA, you weren't winning that game. It was going to be a huge upset if you were able to win that game. You didn't. It is what it is. 2-1 and one is about as good as you could have asked for. I think you expected 1-2, and 2-1. and one. If you're anything less than 1-2, and two, you're highly disappointed. Um, if you're 3-0, and oh, you're like through the roof. 
But to be two and one and not have your backup or not have your starting quarterback for the majority of that, I think is a pretty good W for your team. Now, you go into a bye week three and or excuse me, two and one. This is what you want. But what about your quarterback? Because let's rewind. Because I said you didn't have your quarterback for most of it. So what's wrong with them? Well, he has an injured right shoulder. And I do want to read some of the things that the Montgomery advisor put out because I think that that really showcases why it's not that big of a deal. It's, it's genuinely not. So they're talking about D. Davis and if he'll play against UCLA. That was the third game. He got hurt in game two. So Eddie Robinson says he probably could have played through it if the stakes were higher. That's important because this injury is something you can persevere through. That's number one. That shows you that the severity of the injury can't be that bad if you would have put him back in if the stakes were higher, right? So you can play. You should expect him to be back. That's number one. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Then on the Wednesday of the UCLA game, so that's last Wednesday, nearly a week ago at this point, he says that Davis is progressing really well, but will likely be a game time decision. So he could have played. There's a chance that he could have played against UCLA and he's progressing well. So an injury that already seemed pretty minor because he could have came back into the game is now progressing well. So you're feeling like, okay, he's getting close to whatever 100% is during the season because it's never 100%, right? But whatever 100% is during the season, D. Davis is getting close to that. So they've been holding him out of practice for the time being, but he's been throwing the ball on the sideline. So he's still throwing. Um, I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but this happened to his throwing shoulder. So his, the fact that he's just throwing on the sideline tells you that, okay, he can do stuff. Maybe not game action, but he can do stuff. They're getting him ready once again. Seeing him on the field is not that far away. And then, of course, he's staying mentally locked in. But that part is kind of irrelevant to talking about his actual health. So I'm no doctor. I'm no doctor by far. But if I had to take a guess on what this is, I'm going to say it's a sprained shoulder. Um, it's obviously not a tear. A torn labrum. I tore my labrum. It's a six-month recovery, right? Even with good doctors, it's still months. You only got three months in, in the season. They would announce that he would have been done. I don't think that it's a a, a separated shoulder because that likely would have been weeks. You wouldn't have wanted to put him in on a separated shoulder on his throwing arm. So I'm going to go even less than that and just say it's a sprain. I think that's pretty safe. It, it hasn't been fully announced, not from what I've seen. But I think saying a sprain is a pretty safe thing to say that he has. And when you're reading off those things from the Montgomery advisor, you shouldn't be too concerned. He's progressing well. Um, he could have came back in the game. He's throwing. These are all big time things that should show you, oh, yeah, D. Davis should come back. And we want him to come back because he looked amazing versus Howard. Like he looked great against Howard, man. And he threw a touchdown on his first and only drive that he was able to complete in the game against Miles. In the UCLA game, it just probably wasn't worth the risk. Risk reward, it just doesn't measure up. It's not something that really benefited the team. It's not something that needed to happen. This is a game that was a long shot. If you're going to play it, why put your quarterback in there who's already dealing with a shoulder injury on his throwing arm and have him take some hits? No, keep him out. We'll see next week or yeah, next week. Cause I consider this this week already. They're going to have a bye week, another week to heal. You could hold him out of practice again, reasonably. I would. And then I would just try to put him back on the field maybe uh, whatever the last day of practice is this week or the first day of practice next week because now we're going to get into, all right, now you should be able to play. You're going to have about three weeks of rest 
before you have to play another football game. And this is an injury that you could have came back from basically immediately. I don't think there's any reason to worry, but that bye week does give a little extra cushion, a little extra ability to be comfortable for all of my Alabama State fans. And for that reason, I hate early bye weeks, but this one is perfectly timed. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day on tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk about Prairie View and why I might have underestimated their placement among the best teams in the SWAC West. Now, for your second listen of the day, make sure you are checking out our conference shows. Locked on ACC, Locked on Big 12, Locked on Pac-12, Locked on SEC. Go check out all of our shows because we are a conference show on Locked on HBCU technically. So go And, and we have uh, Locked on Sunbelt now. Shout out to the Locked On Network for always leveling up, man. We are doing big things over here, and I would love if you guys could stay up to date with it. I appreciate that. And in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care and stay blessed. Peace.